0: Coming up now, we're going to talk about uh, sex workers getting exploited and uh, they wouldn't get away with it at McDonald's. That's how one sex worker describes the unfair working conditions in some of the country's brothels. In almost 20 years since New Zealand became the first country in the world to decriminalise prostitution in 2003, there are claims that sex workers are facing workplace exploitation. Otago University researcher Claire Weinhold looked at the way brothels are running their businesses and found them wanting Kia ora, Claire. Kia ora, Karen. How are you? I'm good, thank you. What was the impetus for looking into this? Um, So, um,
1: as you just said, uh,
0: New Zealand was the first
1: country to have decriminalised sex work, and... uh, during that time um, since then, lots of people have looked at different aspects of the sex industry in New Zealand and found that decriminalisation has really benefited sex workers in terms of making them safer at work and so forth. What we didn't really understand is how that was working within brothels and how brothel operators, so that's managers and owners, manage their businesses um, to try and create those safeguards for sex workers so we were really trying to get a better understanding of how that was working within those businesses across the country.
0: How is it working or not working? <laughs> um, well, I mean, there's no blanket
1: um, sort of answer to that. I think like any sector, um, there are places which are doing things um, one way and places that are doing things uh, quite differently. Um, The issue for a lot of operators is that um, many of them don't fully understand what the Prostitution Reform Act asks of them. Um, And so um, there's some confusion around how far they can expect sex workers to Um, take instructions and do particular things that operators um, may ask them to do. So that will include um, being um, on a shift, turning up a certain number of days per week, um, how much they can charge and whether or not they'll see clients Um, and uh, what we found was that although sex workers are independent contractors, um, a lot of operators are still putting conditions on how they're working, um, which can be quite limiting, which counters not only the Prostitution Reform Act but also their status as independent contractors.
0: Why don't they know this, Claire? Why don't uh, the employers and the employees know this information?
1: So the employees, um, they're not employees. Um, They're independent contractors. Right, the the contractors, Yeah. That's, that's correct. So they, uh, they do know this and many of the operators do know this. But um, our sense is um, very much that because there's still a lot of stigma around the sex industry, even though we've got the decriminalisation in place, um, a lot of operators are trying to create um, more corporate um, images for their businesses. So they're managing stigma by saying we're legitimate businesses, just like mainstream businesses um, in any other sector. And so in introducing these corporate values, they're saying, well, you have to be professional. So that means turning up on time, doing what you're told, you know, looking a particular way, behaving a particular way and so on. So they're sort of introducing these middle class values into an environment that isn't necessarily um, a sympathetic place for that, and so it makes it a little bit more difficult for some sex workers in some brothels to um, manage their own rights.
0: What um, sort of things did sex workers tell you? Um, So um, most
1: people um, who are working in um, certain um, brothels, um, particularly the clubs and parlours, so they're the places where people will generally sort of walk in, they won't have pre-bookings and so forth, they generally said that they were expected to turn up for a certain number of shifts, that they had to remain on site, otherwise they might be penalised in some way, um, which could mean that they might be fined, that their money might be withheld until they turned up again, um, or they could be just terminated from the brothel or told, you know, you, you can't work here anymore because you're not reliable. Um, so, And then in some cases, um, sex workers were reporting that they were expected to look a particular way, to behave a particular way, um, to be polite to clients, even when the clients were um, often behaving in criminal ways.
0: But, but what so, you're saying here is that they've got, they've got no rights, basically, and they've got nowhere to turn to. Is, is that what the mm-hmm. main frustration was? The, um, the,
1: the issue is is that they do have rights, um, but it's very difficult for them to, to enforce them. to exercise
0: that. Yeah. But, but why can't um, they? Why can't they go to Imbi and, you know, go through the usual channels? If you've got a contract, you've got a contract. Yeah, well, this is the other
1: issue, is that um, sometimes they have contracts and sometimes they don't have contracts, and a lot of those contracts are very sketchy. So they'll just say things like, you're responsible for paying your own taxes, and in some cases they'll say, and you need to turn up for shifts. Um, and because they're independent contractors, um, on some level, um, you know, there's an idea that they can't go to MB because they're not employees. So you'll go through MB for your mediation and so forth as an employee, which is not an avenue open to independent contractors.
0: Right. So my so sense,
1: yeah, my so sense with that though is that because they're under such um, many of them, they're under such strict controls as they're actually being treated like employees so they should probably head on down to MB and have a conversation with them or the New Zealand Sex Workers Collective who can you know guide them in the right direction.
0: Really, really Mm. it comes down to that word you use, doesn't it? Stigma. That's what all the problems seem to arise from. Although uh, a lot of people who are in industries that are low paid, for example, which may not necessarily be this one, uh, they don't have anybody to talk to about their problems either and get exploited. Mm, yeah no and that's um i you know i wouldn't want to want people to take from this that
1: um that you know that i 'm exceptionalizing the sex industry in any way um you know situations are evident right across sectors, and we 've you know sort of seen it in. Um, well, I mean, actually, right across not just the lower-paid end um, of the um, sectors, but um, you know, right across different industries and sectors. So, yeah, it's quite a quite a widespread issue. Um, you know, but the the stigma for sex workers is, you know, the same sort of stigma as you'll see with some of our migrant workers that they don't know where to go and they don't feel that they can represent themselves in particular ways because things will come back on them.
0: What about the uh, NZ Sex Workers Collective? have they spoken to them about the the problems that they're having? Yeah, so some people do. Um I mean the issue for people
1: um sometimes is that you know they they don't necessarily have a sense that anything can be done. Um but the message is, is that there there are sometimes ways that you can work through things, um particularly at the sort of sharp end of workplace harmful behaviour um and certainly um that would be something that um I would encourage people to be to be looking at doing i mean the, the sex workers collective is a a reasonably small organisation but it is represented right across the country so uh, and they you know spent a lot of time uh, mediating between workers and operators in the past. So. so, so
0: when you say just just to clarify, when you say they they have to perhaps look a certain way, respond a mm. certain way to clients, are these in ways that they are not comfortable with?
1: Oftentimes, yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think that for um, diverse sex workers and you know that's sort of racially diverse or you know gender diverse and so forth they're often finding themselves having to present themselves in ways that um are not great for their well-being um according to their own accounts and then for um other brothel operators Many of them have really tried to entrench this kind of middle-class sense of being, you know, professional and, you know, presenting themselves as clean and well-educated and sexy little companions and so forth. So, uh, you know, that can be um, quite an ask for a lot of people who then, you know, then it reinforces stigma against those people who perhaps don't make that cut. you know, meet those very mainstream. Um, yeah,
0: I understand. Yeah. yeah, it's loaded with meaning mm. when you um, match it up with the sex worker industry, isn't it? It's not the same as yeah. any other industry uh, in that regard. So, uh, where does your research take you? What are you going to do with it? Um,
1: well, um, there's a, a, you know, I'm sort of in contact with the um, sex workers collective, who are obviously always working um, to try and improve the conditions of, of sex workers. So, hopefully, that will inform some of their um, work, but also looking at other countries who are looking to um, introduce decriminalisation to improve sex worker safety. So uh, hopefully they can take some lessons from, you know, the lessons that we've learned in New Zealand or are starting to understand better in New Zealand as well, because there's a lot of interest because we were the first country to do it. So, uh, you know, hopefully um, there will be things to help them out as well as try and
0: improve conditions for workers here. Thanks, Claire. Thank you for joining us and explaining that. It's a real pleasure. Thanks, Karen. That's Otago University researcher Claire Weinhold. It's 25 minutes to 11.